Amen. You guys may be seated. Man, great singing this morning. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, and we will get to that in just a moment. And if you are new to the church, Luke, you're going, who is Luke? Where's Luke? Uh, We're going to show it up here on the screen. Not screens. We're still in the process of getting this one figured out, so bear with us. Everyone's looking that way. Um, But Luke chapter 2, we'll get, or Luke chapter 23, we will get to that in just a moment. Hey, would it... Oh, and by the way, if you're new with us today, I would love, love, love to meet you after church. If you'll just come up to me, track me down, whether I'm up here or back there, stick your hand out, say I'm new. I would absolutely love to meet you. I'm Pastor Troy, and we are so glad to have you, whether you're here in person, online, or down in the overflow. Uh, That's a horrible way to say it, live stream. Um, They're still working with me. Um, but glad to have you here, no matter where you are, what brings you here. Man, if you hear nothing else today, it's worth your trip to hear what we just sang. He is for you. He is not against you. He is for you. You need to know that. And man, I hope you receive that into the depths of your spirit, no matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, what you haven't done, man, he is all for you. Um, Hey, a couple just, uh, is it okay if I give a couple praise reports before I get to preaching, which we do use that word preaching lightly around here when I'm up here. Um, uh, Seems like every Sunday I'm up here giving praise reports these days prior to preaching, but that's good. One Sunday I may get up here and go, I'm not going to preach, I just have a bunch of praise reports. That'd be okay too, right? Um, First of all, I want to say happy birthday to my lovely bride, Krista McNichols, over here. 27 years young. Uh, Anybody else's birthday today while we're at it? We had another birthday in the first service. Anyone raise your hand up? Anyone want to be pointed out? We're happy to. Um. Also, I guess the first two praise reports are personal notes from me. Forgive me. Uh, It is awesome to have my daughter, Taylor Jones, with us for the first time. Not Taylor McNichols anymore. Taylor Jones. Did Ryan leave? Is he under conviction or where? where I know he was here just a minute ago. This dirty old stinky boy stole my daughter from me. And now he slips out before I get to preach. See what I'm dealing with? No, he's awesome. It it is good. Listen, I want to tell you, uh, many of you know that over the last month or so, my son Cody and my daughter Taylor moved out of town. Man, they miss you guys. They love you guys. And whenever they can be here, they are thrilled. And so Taylor, love you. And good to have Ryan as well, I guess. So, (laughs) hey, one more praise report. Because you guys are so faithful in your giving, your tithes, your offerings, the other night we're at a board meeting and the board, this was not planned, this was not premeditated or anything, they were just looking at how you guys, your faithfulness in giving and they said, let's throw another $50,000 on the mortgage to pay down our debt some more to our property. I, yeah. I mean, that was, that's, listen, I know for some of you, money and buildings and properties and mortgages, you know, it's like a whole other planet to you, but I got to tell you, it takes all of that to do ministry and to happen what's happening here today and to send people out and to send ministers out and to support ministries around our community and around the world. And because of your faithfulness, the board just kind of last minute said, let's do this. And I say, praise the Lord for your faithfulness. You guys are absolutely incredible. And as you can see, we're probably going to need some more seats. Uh, We stuck in about another hundred seats from last Sunday because we had people sitting in the lobby. Now, I know, uh, I think today is our last day for most college students who are not from Mount Vernon. Uh, So they'll have some seats open, uh, I think, starting this, you guys, finals this week, right? Right? (laughs) Woo! Impressive. Um, well, we're, we're continuing our sermon series entitled The Big Six. 
uh, the big six, relates to our values as a church. Everything we do has got to be filtered through our values. If, if we get outside of those values, we lose focus, we lose clarity, we lose purpose, we lose mission, we lose our way, and on and on and on. If we live within those values, we can literally change the world for Jesus. Ah, whenever, listen, whenever I do this three times in a row, boom, 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 that is a great place for a hearty amen. If we live within our values, we can literally change the world for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, if, if we, well, last Sunday was our first Sunday. Uh, we talked about value number one, which is Jesus is our focus, right? We keep our eyes on Jesus. Everything else from an eternal perspective is going to make sense. Um. The Bible still teaches, no matter what pop culture teaches, no matter what secular education teaches, no matter what culture teaches, Jesus, there still is no other name under heaven whereby men and women and boys and girls can be saved. And we will preach that and preach that and preach that because we love you enough to preach that he is the only way. That was last week. And if we keep our eyes on him, everything else is going to make sense. The second we take our eyes off of him as our focus, none of the other values are going to matter. Just shut the doors. Let's go do something else. Well, this week, the value we're going to talk about is hope is our message. And and to do this, we're going to look at the story of two criminals. and, And we're going to consider the criminals that were hanging on either side of Jesus when he was hanging on the cross. And I realized that... In a lot of churches, this would typically be an Easter Sunday morning message. I realize it's not Easter, but we're going to talk about Jesus on the cross today uh, in order to understand why hope is our message. And and to do this, we, we have to look at the two criminals who were hanging on either side of Jesus. And so we're going to look at the story of someone who actually deserved death, uh, but because of the grace of Jesus... Uh, he didn't get what he deserved. Instead, Jesus gave him life. This, this illustrates why hope is our message. And to help give us some context, I want to begin with an underlying thought, just kind of the foundational thought of the morning. It's going to be incredibly inspirational. Here it is. We are all guilty of breaking the laws of God. See, you missed the three. Uh, we... We need to realize this. We need to understand this. Because until we realize that, we don't even have the capability of realizing our need for hope. Now, let me get into a little bit of what the Church of the Nazarene would refer to as an article of faith. Okay? This is kind of one of the articles that the Church of the Nazarene holds up that says, hey, this is a cornerstone of what we teach and preach and live by. It's an article of faith. Basically, it's simply this. It talks about sin. We are sinners by nature. In other words, because of one man's sin, death entered into the world, and we've inherited that sin nature. We've inherited not only the sin, but the penalty for sin through the fall of Adam. But we are also sinners by our behavior, or by act. So, to help illustrate this, let's, let's do something fun here. Let's have a mass confession. We love mass confessions around here, right? So, let me ask you a couple questions. How many of you... Now, if you're currently under an investigation, don't raise your hand. But how many of you have ever stolen something? Raise your hand real high. Let me see. Maybe big, maybe small, maybe a candy bar from... Come on, come on. Maybe a candy bar, maybe your sister's toothbrush. I, I have no idea what you want to steal your sister's toothbrush. Ugh. Um, how many of you have ever lied? Guys, your wife walks up to you and says, Honey, do these jeans... Uh-huh. 
You lied. You better have Oh. Uh, how many of you have ever cheated? Yeah, this is a good time to talk about this. This is a great topic during tax season. Um, welcome to New Life. We're here to make you feel good about yourself, to inspire you, to lift you up. Well, James chapter 2, verse 10 says this, For the person who keeps all the laws, check this out, this is except one, is as guilty as a person who has broken all God's laws. Ouch. In, in other words, if, if you've just cheated one time, gossiped one time, lied one time, stole one time, on and on and on, God's word says you are as guilty as the person who has broken every law. And then it gets even more inspirational in Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is what? Death. In, in short, we've all sinned against God. We all deserve death. And until we grasp that, we don't even know our need for hope. But the reason that hope is our message is that because of God's grace, he offers us a way to get not what we deserve, but he offers us grace. But, but you can't get there until we come to this first foundational understanding that we are all lost. We all smell the same at the foot of the cross, right? So let, let's get into uh, Luke chapter 23, starting with verse 32. And keep your Bibles open to this. We're going to kind of work through this. Here it is. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be ex executed with him. Talking about Jesus. Verse 33, when they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Now, stop there before I read on to the next part of the story. I, I want to take a moment to, to talk about crucifixion, and not, not all the gory stuff that sometimes you hear, but crucifixion was one of the many ways, during the life of Jesus, was one of the many ways that people could be executed. Crucifixion happened to be the most expensive form of execution. And the reason that it was the most expensive form of execution is because to do it correctly, it took four Roman guards and one centurion to pull it off. That's five professional soldiers to pull this off. The, the crucifixion, on top of it being paying five guys to do it, it would last for multiple days. The expense of the manpower for this form of execution was high. The reason the Romans would crucify somebody is because it wasn't only expensive, but it happened to be the most painful and most publicly humiliating form of execution that the Romans knew how to do in that day. Therefore, the Romans, the, their leaders, reserved this type of execution for those whom they really wanted to create pain in their life or to humiliate or when the Roman leaders wanted to really make a statement that was crystal clear, which says a lot about the two guys by whom Jesus was hanging. Now, we, we don't know exactly what these guys did, but it was bad enough for the Romans to spend the extra time and money and energy and manpower to create the extra pain and humiliation that it was going to create in these guys' lives. And and some of the reasons it was so painful and humiliating, I mean, obviously, you know, you have the spikes in the hands and in the feet, uh, but they would, they would strip these criminals of anything they were wearing. There they were just, they were all out there just hanging on a cross in the sky for everybody to see. The sun, I mean, you can only imagine the Middle East, Right? The sun would beat down on them for days. They would literally get baked in the sun. They would go crazy. They would lose their, their senses. They would go mad. 
Um, if you know anything about crucifixion, it, the, the person being crucified, they don't die because they bled to death. They die because in order to breathe, to get air in their lungs, they have to pull themselves up where they can get a breath, and then they swag back down to their kind of natural hanging position. And at some point, they just become so physically exhausted that they can no longer pull themselves back up, and so they literally suffocate. And you can only imagine the scene. The birds would come, and they would pick at their bodies as they're dying. Everybody would be walking by laughing at them. I mean, can you even begin to fathom how horrible this was? Now, we don't, we don't know what these criminals did, but it was bad enough for the Roman leaders to spend the extra time and money and energy and manpower to want to humiliate these guys like they were humiliating Jesus. Here we see them in this horrible position. Now read on, verse 39. One of the criminals hanging beside him, hanging beside Jesus, scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. That's my mean criminal voice hanging on. Work with me. That's, what, that's all I got. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> uh, first time that's ever been said while I'm preaching. Um. The other criminal rebukes the first criminal. And so here we've got another bad guy on the other side of Jesus who pipes up at the first guy. Read on, verses 40 and 41. But the other criminal protested, talking to the one who was just shouting at Jesus. Don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Now, what I would like to gently suggest to us this morning is that every single one of us, under the sound of my voice, watching live stream, down at the teen center, watching online, every single one of us, including myself, fall into the category of one of these two criminals. So I want to look again at what they said in these moments and then summarize for you to kind of help determine, hey, am I thief number one? Am I thief number two? And, and I would invite you to stay with me because here it's kind of seeming like I'm off onto some rabbit trail, but I am going to bring this whole thing back around to why one of our values is hope is our message. So let's look at the first thief by looking at verse 39 again. He's hanging there. This is the one that's hurling the insult at Jesus, right? And he says, so you're the Messiah. Are you prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it? Now, what do we know about this guy? He's arrogant, right? He's full of pride. He's entitled. He doesn't fear God at all. He is a smart aleck, and the list goes on and on and on. You know, he, he's saying, hey, Jesus, if you're really the Savior, if you're really the Son of God, while you're saving yourself, why don't you save us too and prove yourself? And some folks, we wouldn't necessarily talk like that, but our attitude is sometimes we're like that attitude when we approach God today. All right, there's a heaven and hell. All right, I get it. I'll say the prayer. I'll check the box on the connect card that says I accepted Jesus today. I'll get baptized even though I don't really want to. I'll come to the connect class, but don't ask me for anything else. It's this mindset of pride and entitlement. This thief on the cross that I'm talking about right now, he's not recognizing any guilt. He's not recognizing any remorse. Let me give you a big word. The word contrition. This thief has no experience of contrition. You know what contrition is? Contrition is, I'm sorry. And it's not an I'm sorry because I got caught. Contrition is a godly sorrow for sin. Where one is broken because they know that they have hurt the heart of God who loves them and who created them. And this 
thief. This criminal has none of that. No remorse, no humility. This guy is unrepentant. He's not owning any of his wrongdoing or his sinfulness. He's critical. He does not fear God. But here's, here's the second criminal on the other side of Jesus. Equally, equally guilty, but has a different perspective. Listen to his response starting in verse 40. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. In other words, he's saying, yes, we broke the law. We deserve this. Jesus doesn't deserve it because Jesus hasn't done anything wrong. And so here's the summary of the two criminals hanging on either side of Jesus. Yes, they're both guilty, no doubt about it. But this criminal on this side of Jesus, he deserves, he knows, he understands, he deserves what he's getting, but he's broken, he's humble, he realized that he is in the wrong, but he's also smart enough to fear God. He's also repentant. You see, the first thief is unrepentant. The second one is repentant. He knows he needs mercy. He knows he needs help. He knows that he can't do anything for himself at this moment, and so he's calling out to Jesus. Now, you might say, I'm not a sinner. I'm not a bad person. The problem is you're comparing yourself to other people. But the second you compare yourself to the righteousness of God, it paints a pretty clear picture. You may be sitting next to someone who's far worse off than you. Okay, go ahead and just elbow your neighbor and say, hey, thank you, really make me feel good about myself. The problem is, though, you're not comparing yourself to the righteousness of God. Let me tell you why being aware of your soul's condition is so important. We have to realize that we have broken God's laws. We have fallen short. We have missed the mark. We, we all smell the same at the foot of the cross. We have to start there because until we recognize that we are all sinners, we have no realization of our need for a Savior. All right, now stay with me. I'm bringing this around full circle. I, I am going to get to the why hope is our message as one of our core values. Here comes the good news. Here comes the hope. Okay, you ready? The minute we recognize that we've fallen short of God's standards, then and only then do we become a candidate for God's grace. But if you are unrepentant, if you are full of pride, you are like thief number one. But if you admit, hey, I fall short, I've messed up, I've done wrong, I need forgiveness, I need hope, I need a Savior, then you are like thief number two. Until you see your sinfulness and your brokenness, you will not see your need for a Savior. Think about it from a parenting perspective. Little Johnny gets caught red-handed, right, doing something he's not supposed to be doing. His hands in the cookie jar, guilty as the day is long. If little Johnny stands there and acts like he was doing nothing wrong, he's only asking for more pain and heartache in his life. You cannot work with that if they will not admit their guilt and their wrongdoing. But the second they admit, you caught me, I'm wrong, I, whatever, you can work with that. Listen, in your life, until you get to a point to go, man, I need something bigger than myself, God cannot help you. But if you admit your brokenness, if you admit your need, then you become a candidate for grace. This is why hope is our message. Because this message is for everybody. This grace is available to everybody. I talked about it last Sunday. Jesus, you know, he's the only name under heaven, right? He is the exclusive savior our world hates that word exclusive but the bible teaches especially in the book of john that jesus is our exclusive savior but he inclusively invites the entire world into this grace 
So Jesus is hanging on the cross next to the two guilty people. They're both equally guilty. They both deserve death. Both men saw and heard the same things during those fateful hours. They both had the same opportunity. They were both suffering severely. They both needed a Savior. One missed it, and one got it. So here's why this new life value, hope is our message, is so important that scenario of the two thieves hanging on either side of Jesus and their attitudes and their spirits still happens right here today. Even right now as we're in church, there are two people sitting beside each other, proverbially speaking, side by side singing the same songs, hearing the same message about the goodness of God, One person is thief number one who's prideful. They're not going to bow. They're not going to admit it. They're not going to confess. They're going to stay prideful. They're not going to admit their need for grace. But the other person is going to see the need. And they're going to admit that need. And because of their willingness to do that, Their lives are going to be transformed this very morning in a way that cannot be adequately described in human words. Made new, that's good, but that doesn't capture it. Forgiven, yeah, that's good, that doesn't capture it. Healed, we can't put into human language what God can do in your life in this morning, and and it's... It's not just about the people sitting in this room or down in the teen center or watching online, but it's the people that you walk by every day. It's the people you work with every day. It's the people you go to school with every day. You with me? All right, back to the story. So thief number two, the repentant thief, has rebuked thief number one for being so rude and prideful. And then check out what thief number two says in verse 42. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. That was it. Nothing fancy. No big theological statements in there. Nothing elaborate. Just remember me, Jesus. And then check out what Jesus says in verse 43. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise Boom, there it is. That's the hope. A few sentences and eternity is changed forever for this guy. That's why hope is our message. Here's, as the praise team come, here's here's the message of hope in a nutshell. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. God saved you by his what? By his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a what? It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Listen, I want you to hear me this morning. You are not made right with God by being good enough. Can I step out of the sermon for just a minute? I realize that I've been preaching a lot of salvation over these days as I talk about values, but our values boil down to this. I will get to other things in the coming weeks. It's the message of salvation. You cannot get into a right relationship with God by being good enough. Uh, You're not made right with God by going to church. You're not made right with God by giving money. You're not made right with God by helping the little old lady cross the street. You are made right with God by grace through faith, period. I love it, I love it, I love it that the most evil, vile person in the city of Mount Vernon, Ohio can come to this altar and repent 
And before they ever get up and say one righteous word or do one righteous deed, they are as righteous in the eyes of God as anyone because it is in Christ. Check this out. The thief on the cross couldn't do any good works. Why? He was hanging on a cross. He couldn't go to church. Why? There were spikes in his hands and his feet holding him to this instrument of death. He he couldn't turn over a new leaf to do good things because he was dying. I love this message of hope. The only, only, only thing he could do is trust in the grace of Jesus. That's why hope is our message. God does not treat us as our sins deserve. God does not repay us according to our iniquities. Why? Psalms 103, starting with verse 11. For his unfailing... Read it with me. This is good, too good to read by myself. Here we go. One, two, three. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth... He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. This is why hope is our message. We deserve death, and yet he offers life. God loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you and in your place. Imagine God. God Literally, God in the flesh, when he should have been sitting on a throne, was hanging on a cross. When he should have been surrounded by servants, he was surrounded by thieves. When he should have been wearing a crown of gold, he was wearing a crown of thorns. God in the flesh, who is holy and righteous as none other, took upon himself the iniquity of us all. Here's the statement I don't want you to forget. We have the potential of eternal life not because we are good, but we have the potential of eternal life because God is good. This is why hope is our message. Are you getting it? Now here in just a moment, we're going to baptize a few folks who wanted to be baptized and we're going to sing a song of celebration and it's just going to be a great, I I was about to say ending to a service, but I should say the start of a great week as we go out and share the hope with others, right? Um, But I cannot end this sermon without asking you this morning, I cannot move forward to baptize folks or to sing a song at the end. And I know we're, we're probably going a little bit long by the time this thing is over. Listen, if you've got to leave, it's okay. You, you, I, trust me, you won't offend us. We're, we're just going to continue to allow God to work here, okay? But is there anyone here that needs that hope in your life this morning? We had a lady stand up in the first service, and it was just a beautiful time of us as a church praying together with her. Is there anyone here right now that would go, Troy, I need that hope. I may not know a lot, but this I do know. I need hope. I'm just going to hold 15, 20 seconds. We're not going to do anything weird. But if you want to just stand up with your brothers and sisters right here and say, Troy, I want you to lead me in in prayer and letting God know I need him in my life. We're just going to hold right now. Anyone at all? And if not, we'll pray and we'll sing. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Amen. Anyone else? This is just us and God. God's speaking to you this morning. You sense the Holy Spirit going, I need something more. Anyone else? Just about 10 more seconds. All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead you in prayer. And if, if, 
all of us could just say this prayer out loud to support our sister as she receives the hope this morning. That would be a way to support her. Can we do that? Let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this story that I've heard. I believe I am a sinner and that I am in a hopeless situation without you. This morning, I confess my sin and I confess my need for you. And I confess that Jesus is the Son of God who conquered death, hell, and the grave for me. And I believe when you said in 1 John 1, 9 that if I confess my sins, you are faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. God, I open up my heart to you today and I receive your forgiveness and I receive you as Savior of my life. Now thank you for what you've done. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And let's round of applause. Awesome. Listen, we are here for God to do, yes, to worship him, but in the midst of our worship, God does eternal work in the lives of people. And I say praise the Lord. Now we have some folks who want to come up and be baptized. If we can get some lights on over here and our people up here, uh, we're going to take a few moments to baptize them. And then we're going to close in a song of celebration. Keith, we got a mic here. My name is Abby Elk Norwood. Um, I grew up in a Christian home, believing in God as long as I can remember. My first time asking Christ in my heart, I was very young and thought that it meant that I memorized enough verses and could say the Pledge of Allegiance well enough <laughs> to tell my parents that I finally did it. Obviously, I didn't really understand what this whole Christian thing meant. Um, the hardest season in my life so far began during my first year of junior high and it lasted all throughout high school. Mm -hmm. I went through a lot during this season. In an attempt to cope with all the trauma, I fell into a life of sin. I struggled with guilt and self-worth for a long time and used sin as a way to, con to control my life. He revealed to me that, oh, hold on. I learned the hard way that's not how God works. It wasn't until I let go of control and let God have control over my life when I realized who God was and who God says I am. After um, letting, control, letting God take control over my life, he revealed to me that he was going to use my story as my vocation. Hmm. He took what the enemy meant for evil and turned it into my vocation. Amen. I am getting baptized today. <laughs> I am getting baptized today to proclaim that I am no longer the same person I was before. I built a deeper relationship with Christ and allowed him to mold me into who he wants me to be. Amen. Now, just so you know, when Abigail comes up out of the water, that's a great place to clap and celebrate. All right? Can we do that? All right. Abigail, if you'll hold your nose, God loves you. God has an incredible...
incredible plan for your life, all right? And we're going to baptize you right now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. My name is Cheyenne. Throughout my life, God has shown me time and time again that he is there and never leaving. When I was little, I was abandoned by my father. I was neglected by my mom. Through that time, God showed me that my grandma and grandpa is always there. And so when middle school came around, I moved in with my grandma. And while I was with my grandma, my old pastor told me about a Christian church camp that was called joy of living and I went there for the first time and went almost every summer after that while I was in high school I went to a counselor and they told me I had depression and anxiety throughout that time in high school as I was going to camp I realized that God is the person that I need and that he will never leave he also helped me heal when I thought I was never able to be put back together again as of everything I've been through so I decided to become a counselor at Joy of Living, and it was the best decision I've ever made because I was able to tell the kids about my life and how God has been there for me. He has shown me that I was able to use my story to help others that are struggling in life. And today I want to be baptized to show that I am committed to following him and to help others find hope in him. God loves you, right? Now you're helping others understand that God loves them. Hey, can I give you a fun fact before, because I know Cheyenne loves to sit up here in the spotlight. 
Uh, this wasn't planned, but I just realized that when she was talking about it, that you as New Life Church are a financial supporter of Joy of Living Camp. Amen. Is that awesome? You have helped make this possible because of your support. And wow, incredible, powerful. Thank you, Cheyenne. So if you want to hold your hand over your nose, Cheyenne, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Awesome job. Now, just before we, we're going to have Pastor Stewart come over and baptize a young man uh, that wanted Stewart to help with that. And then we're going to sing a song of celebration. So, Stewart, I'm going to turn it over to you. Man, I got to meet Gabriel Hajar just uh, here recently and got to spend some time with him. And man, what an awesome, awesome young man he is. You guys are going to be so excited. Yes. He's a, he's a man of few words. But I tell you, man, when he speaks, just there's some wisdom in this guy. And I really believe that God is going to do some amazing things in your life, Gabriel. And we're so excited. As you look out here, man, there's a church that is here that is for you. This is your faith family. We're going to come alongside you. And we can't wait to watch you grow and develop and see how God uses you. So I'm going to let Gabriel share his story about why he wants to be baptized today. I believed in Jesus Christ for a pretty long time. I traveled with my family to Guatemala on a mission trip two years ago. I wanted to go public with my faith in Jesus, but did not have the courage yet. Then one day in church, I felt the Spirit in my presence, and I felt like I was ready to stand up and show Jesus and everyone that I believe in him. I've accepted him as my savior. Now, two months later, I want to be baptized and public show my faith in Jesus. Amen. Let's give them all a round of applause as we worship this morning. Let's stand and continue to celebrate what Jesus has done today. How great the chasm that lay between us. The mountain I could not climb in desperation. I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then, through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written Jesus Christ my living hope who could imagine so great a mercy what heart could such boundless grace the God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame the cross has spoken the cross has spoken I am forgiven the king of kings calls me his own 
spreading that love to every person you come in contact with. Guys, have a fantastic week. We'll see you next week.